and I've never taken Xanax or Valium, but I feel like that's kind of the same effect. And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode number 22. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a music fan, will assign me one of his favorite albums or playlists to listen to each week, and I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this very podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my good friend... Matt Runquist. Hey, Travis. How you doing? This week... I watched Death Becomes Her, and you listened to recently deceased troubadour Gordon Lightfoot. We certainly did. Now, I didn't note last week that it was interesting. I mean, obviously, you didn't assign me Tina Turner because I am very familiar with Tina Turner. But that we is lost correct. her about the same time. Yes, yes. We did, yeah, indeed. So. And a, a tragic loss, for sure. But yeah, you're, you're obviously a huge Tina Turner fan. You don't, on Facebook, you don't note very many celebrity deaths, but you had a very heartfelt and wonderful thing to say about Tina Turner. So I yeah, knew that you, yeah. had, that you had heard her. Do you, uh, do you happen to remember? So we knew each other when I snuck into that Tina Turner concert at uh, Northrop Auditorium. Uh, uh, no. Were you an EMT or something? How'd you sneak in? <laughs> no, I was just a dude uh, <laughs> who, who, and I don't even remember. I think I didn't know that it was her. I just saw something going on and uh, I walked up to the auditorium and it was like, oh, this is a Tina Turner, Tina Turner concert. And my mind must have just kind of short circuited because I just walked in yeah. and acted like I belonged and had a ticket. Uh, that... And. Yeah, that is actually a pretty effective way to get around Northrop Auditorium in nineteen in the nineteen nineties. Uh, basically, yeah. we got into a Tori Amos concert that way. Uh, really, Ani DeFranco. Yeah, um, it, the 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 security level pre nine eleven was not high. No, no, it was not. And uh, yeah, so I snuck in and I walked up to the balcony and saw an empty seat just as the concert was getting going, and I just took it. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, and it was great. It was an amazing experience. So uh, I was happy to have that. Um, so how are you this week, Matt? Uh, I'm pretty good. Uh, surgery day is three days away. So okay. we are we are all uh, tentatively excited about that, cautiously optimistic, but sure. you know, concerned. It's uh, it'll it's be done by the time this episode airs. So yes, it'll be done by the time this episode airs. Uh, it's open abdominal surgery though, so it's not Oof. you know it's not laparoscopic or anything. It's uh, scary stuff, but uh, we're doing we're doing okay. We're we're getting through it. Uh, the big challenge this week has been uh, that you know this is like a it's it's painful for her to eat. And this week they've been like, you need to, you need to push protein uh, in order to, you know, recover well from the surgery. And mm -hmm, of course, mm -hmm. for somebody who doesn't particularly want to eat, having big chunks of meat and, and other high protein foods is a bit of a, is a bit of a challenge, but uh, yeah. we're getting through it. Oof. Uh, well, good luck to Amy. I hope that she pulls through and everything uh, is goes without a hitch. So thank you very much. Um, uh, any other news on your end? No, man. That's that's we're all we're all guns ahead, all full steam uh, engines. I don't know. Guns a blazing. Guns a blazing. Steam. There we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get you. I get you. Wow. We're okay. Well, yeah. Definitely. Good luck. I hope it. Uh, I hope it works. So, um, uh, one of my friends told me today that they were pregnant, and um, I can't say who it is because I'm not supposed to. But I, <laughs> I, I, the reason I bring it up is because 
I felt very um, uh, like glad that they trusted me with that information. Mm. You know, sure. I thought that was it's interesting to be someone's friend who you're close enough to that they tell you those important things early on before they're really telling everybody. Yeah. So um so that felt good. That was that was just today. And uh-huh. um things are continuing to go well with Coco. Uh, she Excellent. is socializing and doing great uh-huh. on walks and learning learning things like go to your room and uh you know That's wonderful like news. That. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really happy about that. I was going to tell you that like nothing really was happening this week because uh, I thought it was I thought it was noteworthy because so often I have these weeks that are like yeah. make my life seem so exciting. And uh and so I was going to come into this being like, well, this is the week that nothing happened. But actually, no, I um I got the edits back from my novel from my ah, new publisher excellent. and I finished my approval process for those edits and got it in a couple of days ago so now which novel is this is this the republication of of decimus Decimus. yes exactly but the interesting thing is the the editor went through it with a fine tooth comb like it is going to be substantially different than the uh than the version that went out last year from the smaller publisher so i'm really excited about that which to me bodes well for them putting more effort into uh, things like marketing and promotion of it yeah, too. Yeah, that's so. really exciting. I I did read it by the way when I was on vacation. Oh, yeah, well, I had you. I had read about a third of it. Uh, I had sort of slowly been working my way through it, and then when I was on vacation, I did uh, I went right through it and uh, really enjoyed the experience. So, yeah. Wow, that's great. I'm I'm yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think the the changes for the reissue or the republication are going to be mostly about making it easier to read. Like there are some you know, there are words that I use a like I use the phrase a bit yeah. a lot. Like yeah. uh, my publisher, my editor flagged it, and I went back and did a did a word count search, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I only used it fifty seven times in the book, <laughs> which is too many times. And what's funny is before I di- published it the first time, I did a word cloud mm-hmm. just to see what words I was using sure. the most. And I yeah. cut out proper names, and then you can see what words you use a lot. And if okay. there's a there's a common word mm-hmm. that you're using too much, you, you can, can see cut it. it out. Or okay. yeah, so so I did that. But yeah, great. I'm well, so glad you enjoyed I, it. There's one editing note that I will give you, uh, and it's this too is late. so this is so minor. Um, do you know the SNL skit? I think it's called the Californians or whatever, where yeah. every conversation is about like the roads that people are on. There's yeah, a, there's yeah. just a hint of Californians about a few of the descriptions, which yeah, I thought I thought helps. was charming because I know where you live and and so sure. Funny, and but... and if you live here, it does help paint a picture. And I yeah. I had that same idea when I was writing it too because I wrote it when I wasn't here, and yeah. so I was kind of writing it from a from a like outside of LA, Mm -hmm. but having lived in LA perspective. And it's just, people don't understand when you're in LA, the freeways are so important. Yeah. No, I I remember. I remember. They define your existence here. Yeah. And, uh, and you also don't call them highways. Like calling them a freeway was a, was a, a learning experience for me. Yeah. So anyway, (laughs) um, but yeah, that was my big, uh, that was my big thing this week. And um, uh, yeah, not much else. Okay, so, cool. Let's say we jump right in and uh, yeah, let's get into it. Let's switch it up this week. Yeah, we're gonna shake. You know, we used to. Wasn't it shake it up, or was it was it when we first started? We sh- we shook uh, things up. Oh, let's shake. And now things you up. you keep saying now the last few episodes you've been saying switch things up. 
Oh man, I don't know. Ugh. That's uh, a lot I of mean, work. You're just bucking tradition, that's all I'm saying. By shaking so, things up. I'm going to shake things up and say <laughs> that we should talk about the movie first. Okay, let's talk about the movie uh, first. So you the know movie what? that you, I had you... You assigned what? me the movie, so you should introduce it. Yeah. I am. I was just about to do that, actually. Were you about to introduce it? I was. Okay. I was. If you listen back to the tape, you'll hear that I was about to... <laughs> I was about to do that. Well, Are you very okay. tired tonight? No, no, I'm just f***ing with you. I'll edit it um, out. I'll edit it out. You don't have to if it's funny. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so the movie I had you watch is a, a bit older than we normally go uh, because generally what you've your, your thesis going into this project was that you haven't really watched movies in the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, this movie is uh, 30 years old. Uh, it dates back to 1992, and it is Death Becomes Her, directed by Robert Zemeckis, who brought us such movies as Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Castaway, uh, and so many others. He's such an interesting... I talked about him a little last week, and one of the things I like about him is that his he pushes technological boundaries in his movies no matter what the movie is. So whether it's a, whether it's a, a drama or, 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 or a fantasy or a sci-fi or whatever, he's, he's really pushing the technology of movie making, which I, I really like, but he's also really good. So um, this movie... Did... Hold on, not to interrupt, but did yeah. he do Forrest Gump too? He did. He okay, did he is Gump. Forrest Gump. Yeah. Okay. When you said yeah. the thing about technological boundaries, I was like, wait a minute. Exactly. Well, he has won uh, special effects, uh, I think, or his movies have won special effects awards, Oscars maybe, for uh, three movies. Back to the Future, I think, won. Death Becomes Her won. And Forrest Gump won. Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, interesting thing is that uh, it, it's a farce. This movie is a farce. And it is almost like... An episode of uh, of of uh, like Tales from the Crypt. Do you remember how Tales from the Crypt was kind of a dark, like sometimes it was scary, but it always kind of had that tongue in cheek humor to it. Yes. And uh, and Robert Zemeckis was producing Tales from the Crypt, the TV show, at the time he made this movie. Uh-huh. So a lot of that you can see bleeds into this movie, and it stars uh, Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn, Bruce Willis, uh, Isabella Rossellini, and it's um it's it's about this, uh, these two women who have this kind of relationship with each other that dates back, but they're also very antagonistic, and there's a constant pull, push and pull with their, um, with their kind of, I don't know, dislike of each other. And they're fighting over, uh, over Bruce Willis as their husband, and, and they discover, like, it, it, I guess I don't have to worry about ruining this movie, but they both are obsessed with their looks, right? And their image and staying young. And they discover this uh, potion that basically makes them immortal, right? And so they both take it willingly, but then the downside is that they both die, but cannot die. They're both killed, but cannot die. they're They're immortal, but not invulnerable. Exactly. So they both become essentially zombies, uh, and they and then they are trying to get Bruce Willis, who is a who is a master. Uh, at first, at the beginning of the movie, he's a plastic surgeon, but then uh, as he gets older, he becomes a a renowned um, uh, undertaker, and to basically you know make dead people look like they're alive. And uh, and so these two women are wrangling him to be their 
taker, care, the, the upkeep person, like to to paint them and, and repair any blemishes and stuff like that. And that's it. I mean, it's so it's so interesting because the that part of the movie, the movie where the, the part where they die, mm-hmm. is is further than halfway into the movie. Yeah, like you're almost done with the movie. It feels like when that happens, and the pace of this thing is really fast. I love it because everyone is so game for this movie. Like it is, it is ridiculous and it is silly, and it must have been kind of a pain in the butt to make because of all the special effects involved. But uh, you got Meryl Streep and Bruce Willis and Goldie Hawn just going for the comedy in a way that is so delightful there are lines in this movie that delight me to 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 hear to this day and uh, and it's interesting to to kind of think that you know back in this time bruce willis was more of a comedy type guy like he he was doing like die hard had a lot of comedy in it and uh uh i mean hudson hawk wasn't uh, wasn't a successful movie but it was essentially a action comedy or the fifth element has a lot of comedy in it. And um, it, this, so this was before Bruce Willis kind of became so self-important as he got later in his career. And it's just fun. I, I, I had so much fun rewatching this movie. And um, so what, what did you think? Well, I liked it a lot. Um, the You know, you called it a farce. This is a camp classic. Uh, you know, this is this is like drag queen movie. Uh you know. you know, that's funny because I heard that it was a it had become kind of a gay touchstone movie mm-hmm. and I wondered if yeah. that's why I liked it or or if or if it was a thing that only the gays really found as delightful as uh as they did. Um what do you think about that? Uh well no, I mean this is this is a campy movie. This wasn't particularly successful. It wasn't unsuccessful, but it was not a an enormous, you know, Forrest it made Gump. Some fifth, money. Yeah, it wasn't an enormous like Forrest Gump level, uh, mm-hmm. Back to the Future level hit, right? Like right. in the context of where Robert Zemeckis was in his career, this was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, mm-hmm. There's and it's odd tonally, and it this is a blacker than black comedy. Like let's yeah. not let's not beat around the bush like this is some gallows humor and um yeah so uh but i you know i liked it a lot um meryl streep is absolutely fantastic all the women are absolutely fantastic in this bruce willis plays his character well right i have a little bit of a a uh problem with the character you know not not like a huge deal but i just I feel like they made some choices with his character. Like, he's kind of nebbishy and odd, right? He's uh-huh. like a weird dude. And there, you know, I think it would have been nice to understand a little better why they're fighting over this guy, other than because Meryl Streep has a history, and Meryl Streep's character has a history of stealing Goldie Hawn's boyfriend slash husband's. Yeah, um, I mean, did they kind of say that it's it's just it's really just because one of them had him and it's only because they wanted him that the other wanted him. And then I think that's what of... they're trying to imply is that Goldie Hawn uh, yeah. wanted him or not that, that Meryl Streep wanted him because Goldie Hawn had him. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the appearance stuff comes along later. Uh, but it might play into it because he was, a, he was a renowned plastic surgeon and Meryl Streep right. had that obsession as well. Yes. 
Um, so I guess what I'm saying is, is I, I bet there was a funnier, better choice to make. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a movie writer, but that, that choice of making him kind of like a nebbishy loserish guy for much of the movie, I didn't, it didn't really play for me, you know? Um, what, uh, can you think of the better option? Um, I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, well, I mean, you know, what would you've wanted I mean, plastic surgeons, in my experience, and I've known a few plastic surgeons, are pretty suave dudes most of the time. Uh, the, you know, they're they're pretty uh, together, um, and so it. W I just feel like it was a weird choice to have it be like basically like mousy librarian, but as a dude, except he's also a renowned plastic surgeon in New York. You know, like that that felt like a strange choice to me, and I I think. Uh, I I just think it could have been different, but anyways, I I don't want to like. I think that yeah, I think that the the reason they did that is because it spoke to the influence, kind of like the influence of these women uh, over him, and and the fact that once and they kind of said spoke to it, like his arc was at the end of the movie, gathering the power to resist them. Sure. Right. Yeah. And uh, and then even after that, when he managed to escape them completely, they sh they do this little you know tail end epilogue yeah. where they say yeah once he got out of their grip he was he was a changed man he had uh he went on adventures and became his own person and all that stuff so yeah um yeah i, I think they tried to address that and, and keeping him nebbish for the sake of the comedy i think was a better uh a pretty good choice i mean that that's fair um, so let's see. Uh, I loved, obviously, Meryl Streep is at her Meryl Streepiest here. And Goldie Hawn, I, I, is it possible that she's underrated? Like, I, you know, obviously she's a huge star, right? And, and was a huge star at the time of this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, you yeah. know, this is post Overboard and, and, um, I think this is pre First Wives Club, but like she, she was big, right? Um, she was, you know, but I, I think when we think of like the great actors of this generation, we don't, you know, Goldie Hawn doesn't really pop into our heads. But man, she, she can, fell by the wayside a bit. She, she's, but, uh... you know, she's in there with Meryl Streep, given as good as she got, you know. Oh, yeah. And Meryl Streep is sort of the classic, like the, you know, she's the one type of actress. So, I, you know, I really. I really love Goldie Hawn in this movie. Um, well, what's interesting is that Meryl Streep, I think, to this point, had not done a lot of comedy, and uh, Goldie Hawn had. So Goldie Hawn was doing yeah. comedy from back in the you know laughing yeah. days. And of the three of them, I mean, I think she is the least funny, right? Yeah. You know, like yeah. she she you know brings some lines, and and obviously she's good, right? But yeah, you know, Goldie Hawn and Bruce Willis are up there cracking wise really really well. Uh, yeah. and, and Meryl Streep is sort of along for the ride and, you know, I oh, mean, no, the, you have the other way around, right? You thought Goldie Hawn was the not funny one. No, no. Meryl Streep is, I would say of the three of them, Meryl Streep is the least funny. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. okay. Interesting. I mean, it's okay. not that she's not funny, right? But like yeah. Goldie Hawn's hilarious and, and yeah, yeah. Bruce Willis is, you know, he, he's a very funny dude, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Meryl oh, and Moonlighting was a comedy. I completely yeah, forgot about that. I, I actually, I thought I mentioned it, but I apparently didn't. Um, well, and and Pulp Fiction afterwards also had the comedy aspect to it. There's a lot of big laughs in Pulp Fiction, and and Bruce From Willis him? is yeah, Zed's huh. dead baby. Okay. 
yeah there's there's a lot of there's a lot of of big stuff from from bruce willis i think but but that was kind of the start of his like cool phase yeah he was he was just like cool over everything else i mean that's fair right that may he may have learned the wrong lessons from pulp fiction but yeah maybe but in any case uh i thought they were all fantastic here and they were like there are everybody else in it i thought was fantastic i loved seeing isabella rossellini as this sexy yeah so i was gonna i was gonna mention this so Mm -hmm. uh isabella rossellini is stunningly good looking in this movie she Mm -hmm. spends most of it either half or completely naked they still made the pg-13 rating there's lots of side boob and etc but isabella rossellini was 40 years old when this movie yeah. was filmed. They were they were were they all in their 40s? No. They were 37. Meryl Streep was 37 and Goldie Hawn was 47. What? Meryl yes. Goldie Hawn's that much older? Yes, Goldie Hawn wow. was on Laughing, man. <laughs> I know, I know. I was thinking about that timeline in, in my head too. Which was in the 60s. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. And they um, uh, they looked phenomenal. Yeah, they look phenomenal, and yeah, Isabella Rossellini was forty years old in this, uh, and uh, just absolutely unreal. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it's it's a really good movie. Um, I have a bit of a, a bone to pick about the structure of it. So you said it's really fast moving. There, and actually, I mentioned Pulp Fiction earlier. So Pulp Fiction plays with the timeline in order to kind of present you uh the important beats of the movie uh like kind of spread them out this movie goes like super chronological in a way that i think hurts it a little bit um Hmm. you know so we we skip the early parts of goldie hawn and meryl streep's relationship we drop in on uh, Goldie Hawn and Bruce Willis are together. They're engaged and they're meeting her old friend Meryl Streep for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then blah blah blah. We skip forward seven years. We have a pretty fat phobic sequence uh, in a in a mental hospital uh, with Goldie Hawn, and then we skip forward another seven years, and then we have a pretty extended like sort of the meat of the movie. Except, like you said, it comes pretty late in, you know, uh, yeah. from about, you know, from about 45 minutes to about an hour and a half. And then we skip forward again at the end. Right. So there's a lot yeah. here and it's all like it's all presented like very, you know, uh, like domino style. And uh, there were, you know, there were parts of me that was like comparing this like super chronological approach to Pulp Fiction in a negative way and being like, I, you know, there, I, I would have liked to have seen a treatment maybe that just, that was different. Like, I I don't know. Mm. Right. Like it's, I, I like that you pointed out how late in the movie, so much of the like important stuff, you know, the the part where they turn into zombies and and you know Goldie Hawn gets yeah. a whole. I mean, like I'm trying her. to like, figure out what the inciting incident was, and it's, yeah, it, whatever it is, it feels like it comes late. Yeah, like it comes the, super is it, is duper it the late. Taking of the potion, you know, or is it the whatever. right? Um, here's a here's a thing I did love. Um, that the potion is completely unexplained in any way, right? Yeah. 
She's got the potion. It does the thing. You don't need to yeah. know anymore. It's here's a touch some, of magic. It's here's some needs. famous people, you know, that have exactly. taken it's it. It's a fantasy is, is what it is. It's a fantasy, right? And, like, I liked that there was no there was no hand waving about you know it's this is the fountain of youth i have it yep. period yeah right you don't know who isabel isabella rosalini was it's interesting in other versions of the script apparently she was uh alternately cleopatra herself or some other oh, okay. uh, you know god explains person. the haircut yeah <laughs> and all the and all the egyptian you know symbology yeah uh but it's uh yeah i i i there's so much to love, I think, about this movie. Um, there, I you know, and I, I think the interesting thing about you talking about the timeline is that we don't really think about this, but Pulp Fiction changed. Like it yeah. was that was novel when it did that. Like yeah. previous to Pulp Fiction, it was probably not an okay thing to tr- to change with timeline. Uh, yeah. To 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 you know play with the timeline like that. So, you know, yeah. I think it's a little bit tough to expect that of this movie no and i and i there's no part of me that expects it of it i just it it did feel like the pacing of it did feel just a little bit awkward and like Hmm. some things were on screen that i didn't feel like needed to be on screen and other things were were like implied that i felt like you know would have made interesting film and so it it just felt it it felt like it needed another couple of run-throughs the script you know, okay. Um, I you, uh, not to go back to Pulp Fiction again, right? But like that happened in the editing room, right? That yeah. script, that script was linear. Um, well, sure, a lot of a lot of movies uh, are um, saved in the editing. And the, yeah. the, the uh, I forget who Quentin Tarantino's editor is, but she is the one who suggested, like, what if we, what if we showed this out of order, and yeah. and it just made it work as a movie in a way that it really didn't linearly. I uh yeah I'll push back on that on this movie I don't think that it um I personally don't think that it needed it but um but I can certainly understand well and I'm not saying necessarily showing it out of order I'm just saying that like because because of the way that the the that it does come super duper late like you know that action sequence between them is kind of the crux of the movie right mm-hmm, and it does mm-hmm. feel like it it kind of. I don't know. There's there's just something about the pacing that feels off to me. And uh, I get that. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I felt it was. I, I felt it was fun, even though it it felt a little. Well, again, I thought it felt fast paced because um, things just kind of happen. But um, the I also just want to shout out like the the other accessory characters are pretty good. The only uh, the one that really sticks out in my mind is Sidney Pollock as the ER doctor. Who uh, who examines uh, Meryl Streep when she, after she dies and but is still alive and so they go into the they go into the doctor's uh, the ER and he's examining her and it's such a great bit of acting that uh, like I'm watching this movie as an actor going like all these little acting details that are put in are so mwah, just just brilliant and I, I love that everybody played into their roles so unreservedly yeah i mean it's it's really high camp and i i you know i don't think you came to it through this lens but it's absolutely an icon in the in the gay scene for a reason you know because it it fits right in with with all those like joan crawford movies and you're right yeah i guess it is yeah 
Yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah, I, and I could see this. Oh man, I could see a uh, a Broadway revival of this being done by two like, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race winners or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I think that would be that would be fantastic. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, any other thoughts? I mean, the music, by the way, was done by Alan Silvestri, who also uh, is a co- uh, a popular uh, collaborator with Robert Zemeckis. Um, he did Back to the Future, among other things. So mm-hmm. uh, I thought the music was a lot of fun. Yeah, music was um, really good, and the design work, like everything from the from the castle from the castle that they're in, and the and the and the costuming uh, is is really fun to watch. It's very. It, you know what a... I actually? Yeah. If we're gonna call out the music, you know what I would love to call out is what? the opening Broadway number with yes. Meryl Streep, because that's a delicate thing to write a song that is explicitly bad, right? Uh-huh. But bad in a way that makes you go, I could see somebody producing this on Broadway and just like, you know, in you're, just miss- you're just or whatever it was. missing you're just missing the mark, right? Yeah. You know, you're yeah. just you just kind of you tried and failed, right? Yeah. But- yeah. Uh, absolutely and it's such a it's such a that song is so campy and her performance is so campy. It's just so very, very weird. Uh, the show, the show was called um, Songbird, but it was a uh, it was a uh, it was an adaptation of a book. Uh, I can't remember what the book was called, but uh, so so much fun. Anyway, uh, what do you you want to rate it? Uh, I'd it like I'm gonna give this an eight. Loved it. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, giving you, you kind of downplayed it a little bit, so I didn't think you were gonna go. Uh, no, no, that, good. No, I had specific things about it that I didn't like, but uh, you know, it was funny. It was a good time. It was uh, the special effects were fantastic for 1992. It's, right. Uh, it and and the ending is clever. You know, like mm-hmm. I I mean I think the you know the idea that the seeds of your own destruction are inside you is uh a classic uh, you know horror slash fantasy slash uh fable theme and and it mm-hmm. it hits that note perfectly so you know yeah, I, it does like sure i didn't love the bruce willis character and the timeline seems wonky to me but it was a good movie but at least he gets his he kind of gets his due, right? He he does come out on top essentially by escaping. Yeah. Which is kind of nice. I love a yeah. happy ending. Yeah. So uh, uh well <laughs> I uh I you know, interestingly enough, the ending used to be more complicated. Uh they apparently had a thing where um the two women who are who are maintaining their own makeup uh for each other through time, they go off to Europe on a vacation and they see Ernest and his new wife out on vac- you know out in the world enjoying the world and um they chase him down and get hit by a truck or something and break up into pieces uh, and so okay. it's the same ending but a little different and i like what they did ultimately with the yeah um, i think it really the, hits the it really hits the point that he lived a different life afterwards uh yep. very well so exactly yeah and at the same time it's not it's not about him it's about her i mean it's about them yeah. you know so, uh, excellent. Well, I am uh, pretty good. I think I'm going to uh, uh, give it a little bit more. I just, uh, I think I'm going to give it a nine because, okay. um, boy, I, 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 I did delight in rewatching this movie. 
again. This is probably the th- only the third time I've seen it. Like I watched it way back when, maybe a couple times way back in the 90s. And then I rewatched it as part of a uh, Robert Zemeckis Christmas marathon a few years ago and was surprised by how well this stood up for me. And uh, and then just now rewatching it was um, uh, the first time in a few years, but I really enjoyed it. So, but yeah, I think a nine, I think a nine is a really good movie. All right, man. That's awesome. You know what? I'm not going to talk to you until you put your head on straight. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So let's move on to the music. So this week I gave you a selection of songs from a greatest hits compilation uh, from Gordon Lightfoot called Gord's Gold. I think I chose 10 songs from it. It's a 22 song compilation, but Mm. I'm here to tell you that uh, Gordon Lightfoot is nothing if not consistent. And most of the 12 songs that you didn't hear uh, sound pretty similar to these 10. Uh, okay. So, uh, Gordon Lightfoot is a Canadian uh, guitar player, songwriter. Uh, I think I mentioned last week that it, early on in his career, they di- he didn't even have he didn't even tour with a drummer. It was just like two guitars and a bass, uh, maybe some piano, um, but they didn't they didn't even have a drummer. Um, oh, and really? So he was sort of sort of in the folk rock uh, tradition. Uh, very much a storyteller. Like these are all, uh, there's a very clear viewpoint and the lyrics are very much about the thing that this, there's very little illusion in these songs, right? Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. So I really, I I actually was not a fan of Gordon Lightfoot when I was younger. Um, My wife kind of introduced him to me uh, and I found out my mother-in-law doesn't like Gordon Lightfoot and uh, I was in a used record store maybe two years ago, and I saw this Gord's Gold for five bucks, and I picked it up. Double, double album, five bucks. Uh, you know, I need stuff for my turntable. And uh, I really, I was like, wow, this is, this is really good. I can't believe I haven't, you know, sort of uh, run across it before. Now, the big caveat to all of that is he does have a very unique vocal style that is really heavy on the like, and if you don't, if you can't get over that, then you're not going to like Gordon Lightfoot. So my favorite of these God, I don't even know what my favorite is. I really dig all of this music. If you could read my mind, which was his first uh, wide single, uh, is a beautiful, beautiful song about the end of a relationship. And, I, you know, I, I, I do have a little bit of a soft spot for that one. So I'll say that. It's one. the one that I that I felt like I had heard before, but I wasn't quite sure because there were a couple of songs in here where melodies reminded me of other things. Okay. And um, so I wasn't sure if that was it or uh, but I was very not familiar with Gordon Lightfoot going into this. Um, All right. So so he died about a month ago um, and he toured up until last year. He uh, he was 80 something and, and he was still on the road touring. I actually had a couple of opportunities to see him last year and I was like, I can't believe he's still touring. But uh, anyway, so uh, what do you think, Travis? Well, before I tell you what I think, I would like you to tell me what you think I think. I'm curious. Oh. As to... <laughs> this is this is a coin flip. Knowing I think what you know of me. This is a coin flip. If you are able to get over his somewhat unique vocal styling, I think you really liked this. If, however, his voice just annoys the living heck out of you, then I think you didn't like it. But I don't know what your reaction to his voice is. 
Okay, okay. Well, I will tell you, uh, uh, I really liked this album. Oh, good. Um, I didn't think his voice was annoying at all. In fact, I thought his voice was extremely pleasant. Um, he has a little bit of a little bit of vibrato that he puts in uh, now and then, but I don't think he overuses it. And I think he has a, I think he has a really specific kind of command over his tone and um, and 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 notes that he's singing. He's not doing a lot of runs or a lot of you know this or that, but he's he has a specific melody that he's singing and he's hitting it accurately. And to my mind, pleasantly, the, um, <laughs> the, the, the simile I made was that this is like listening to Bob Ross painting a picture. <laughs> it was so pleasant. Like, honestly, the, the moment I, I put this on when I was walking uh, Coco for a walk and the moment it started, I felt this kind of wave of like almost relief start from my ears and go into my brain and then sweep itself down my body <laughs> and it was uh very nice and uh so do you know how you know how the, the other thought i had was that some songs sound important right okay like uh like dog days from uh from florence and the machine sure feels like an important song right yeah. uh somehow this album and every song in it were the least important songs ever, but in the best way. You know? Talk about that. So I just felt like it was it, I think it mellowness is the is the word of the day here. It okay. was just so um easy, easy like Sunday morning and <laughs> uh it, and you just like Oh man! Here's the I, you thing. Know, I felt... Here's what I would say. I can imagine myself driving across the American West, right, and stopping for the night at a you know small town, at, like that I wasn't planning on being in, and going to the hotel, uh, going to the restaurant across the street from the motel, and there's a guy in there playing a guitar, and it's this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, that's what this feels sure. like is like. Yes. And apparently that's what the beginning of his career was like. Like he he's uh, you know, he's a bit of a guitar prodigy, you know, so from a very young age, he was playing in bars in like cow towns in, in Canada. Huh. But I could definitely see just like walking in and being like, wow, this guy's pretty good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll tell you, man, this is this is generally not my bag, this type of music. Um, But I I really enjoyed listening to this guy and you're right he's a storyteller every song has its own kind of like uh style even though it's all they're all very closely styled right that folk kind of sound but each song is different in a way that is it's just different enough to be satisfying but not so different as to be jarring sure so it, it rides that fine line, and uh, I think that I mean maybe it's not that fine of a line, but it is it is a zone that I think is good for an album to take, and uh, it was just I don't know it was really interesting. There was one song, and I'm not quite sure which song it was. It might be for loving me or um, or fair on Eighth Avenue. There's a there's a melody riff. Just a series of notes that kept I kept on hearing it, and I was so bugged about what song it reminded me of. Oh, and do you know? 
No, I don't. Or, but I'm curious. Oh, uh, so I finally figured it out, and it's the uh, it's the feed the birds song from Mary Poppins. Oh, da, 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 and it's, da, da. but it's not that part of it. Oh, okay. It's, Which uh, part it's is the it? part before that where it's like uh, there on a bell, you know, there's an us a pretty old world woman uh, called. You know, nice. and then that, so that series yeah. of notes, I don't know, I'm not, those even aren't the words to that song, but um, <laughs> it's that beginning part of the song that was really, it's, and, and the, there's like four or five notes that are just identical. And it was, um, but it was, once I figured it out, it became yeah. comforting. Like, yeah. that's what this album was, very comforting yeah. to me. Yeah. And here's the other thing. You know how sometimes I've said in the past on this show that some of these albums that are uh, in this kind of like comforting, nice way are would be great to have on on a Sunday afternoon in the background? Yeah. That is definitely true of this album. But there's also something different and something elevated that you get from having it playing right in your ears. Mm-hmm. Like, like. I don't know what it is, but it's like um, it's like a I, I, and I've never taken Xanax or Valium, but I feel like that's <laughs> kind of the same effect. And uh, you know how uh, similarly, I have heard from people, friends of mine, not me, who say that watching Bob Ross while you are high is a different kind of experience. I feel like listening to Gordon Lightfoot while you're high is probably a very interesting experience um, in that well, same kind the... of way. Yeah, it was the late '60s and early '70s, so that sure. there was probably yeah. a fair amount of that going on. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's funny because my generally I'm not into pop culture, media, movies, etc. That are kind of made outside of my lifespan. So okay. um, you know, for movies, it's generally pre Jaws is my give or take mm-hmm. cutoff. Like the the, I, the I age remember. of the blockbuster yeah. is very much my age, and um, I have to be exposed to something before that and same here uh you have exposed me to something that i would not normally have listened to i'm very glad that you did i really enjoyed it um i think i'm gonna give it a i i I was gonna give it a seven i was thinking about this i listened to it on the way Uh back on this walk i just went on a long walk with coco uh this afternoon and i was thinking yeah seven is a pretty good fair uh rating for this but I think it deserves better. Yeah. I think it deserves an eight. Yeah. And and that is what I'm going to give it. You're going to give it an eight. You're going to give it what yeah. it deserves. Yeah. You know what? One. Of, it's, it's weird because it, it, like, in so many ways, this is not the type of thing that I would normally love. Okay. But I just, oh, I just loved the warm fleece blanket feeling that this gave me. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I what would I rate this? Gosh, I totally forgot I had to rate it too. Um I think eight is actually a pretty fair representation of like this is not like if you asked me to list my fifty favorite artists, I don't think Gar- Gordon Lightfoot would come in that top fifty, right? Like he's not that sort of next level, like awesome, right? right? But this is right. It's just really, really good, really comforting. It's absolutely an album that you can throw on, at you know, while you're doing chores or or while you're listening actively. Like it does reward 
like close listening. Yeah. Which sometimes, you know, sometimes things that are comforting don't really, right? They're just sort yep, of like yep. wash over you. But this does, you know, there's stories to to listen to and to enjoy. And there's, but it's not just about the stories, right? There's good melodies and, and hooks to sing along with. So, yeah, I, th- I think this is an eight. Uh, and, a, yeah. and a solid eight for me. Like I got it, more out of it the second time than I did the first, and that might be that may be why I increased my rating uh, of it. But right. yeah, I I definitely recommend this to to people who want to check it out. And and you can check it out if you check out. Uh, you can see Matt's playlists on uh, on YouTube Music, uh, and we will put the playlist link in our show notes. And uh, while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating on uh, on whatever podcast app you are listening to this. It really helps us, and we haven't gotten many yet, uh, but we are hoping to, uh, you know, uh, have more of you uh, join us here. And if you really want to get involved, do us a favor and find us on Facebook at uh, Exposing Ourselves. Or email us at ExposingOurselvesPodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of our picks today. Uh, did you... Did you not like uh, Gordon Lightfoot as much as we did? Did you love Death Becomes Her even more than we did? Let us know, and uh, and we'll talk about your comments on the air. Okay, Travis. Well, uh, what do you have for me next week? Oh, what do uh, what do I have for you? It depends. Uh, what do you have for me? I I haven't really decided yet. Oh, um, what do what I do have you for you? Like, what do you what are you in the mood for? I, I've got a, I've got a whole range of things. Oh, I'm in the mood for whatever you want to give me. Just give it. It's Mm. Pride Month. Give it to me as fast as you can. Oh, goodness. Goodness. I didn't think about that. I wonder if I have something that can be be appropriate for Pride. Um... Hmm. I mean, death becomes her isn't the worst choice. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that would be our our good one for Pride. So I think I'm going to... um, I'm going to let go of that requirement and give you... Oh, have you seen, did you see Ex Machina by any chance? Maybe? Would, the one with tell the me, robot? Tell me, tell me about it. It's the one with the robot. Hmm. I don't think I've seen it. I'm sorry. Okay, good. Because that's what I'm going to give you. Uh, it is a, it is kind of an independent, low budget sci-fi movie about uh, this guy, this software programmer who gets chosen by his, um, uh, by his company, win some sort of contest to basically go and meet the his boss, like the reclusive Steve Jobs type, who is oh, off okay. in the middle of Alaska working okay. on this secret project. And the okay. secret project is a, a lifelike uh, female robot. Okay. That's all no, I have not seen this. I've Great. Not seen well, it. you're yeah. about to. So I, I'm about to see Machina. it. Ex all right. Machina. All right. So cool. what you got for me? I have Betty Who for you. Betty Who? Betty Who. So uh, I take it from your excited reaction that you have never heard Betty Who before. I have no idea who you're talking about. I'm talking about Betty Who. Uh, She is a female pop artist from the mid-2010s. Oh, recent. She first came across my bow in... Oh, God, I'm not really sure exactly, but there's a song called Somebody Loves You, and it Uh was the soundtrack to a super gay Home Depot flash mob proposal video. Oh, okay. 
Uh, oh, which you should definitely look up, by the way. It's cute. I it's w- so absolutely cute. will. I love it's those. So I want to be proposed yeah. to in that way someday. In a home, in a home Depot. Yeah. So anyways, uh, I no, heard not that. Not necessarily a Home Depot, but like a, okay, like a, a Lowe's, flash a mob, let's make a video. Uh, a Costco oh. even. <laughs> yes, uh, definitely 100% a Costco. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God! Can you imagine how mad that's the place the to get me? By the way, if uh, like if my future <laughs> if my future boyfriend wants to absolutely surprise me, we'll be going to Costco regularly anyway. So if he wants to set up a flash mob, that will be the place to surprise. <laughs> That'll me. That'll be the place to do it. Um, well, anyways, uh, so there was this uh, viral video. It was uh, super fun. The song was amazing. And uh, the album uh, was amazing, and she toured relentlessly off her first two or three albums. I've seen her uh, live a couple of times. She just played uh, Pride Fest here in Milwaukee. Um, Nice. Yeah, uh, she's really fantastic. So I put together a playlist of 10 songs uh, from a few of her albums. Uh, Really good, you know, upbeat, pop, electronic music i don't think you have to sell it anymore man i'm excited uh, this sounds like something that's going to be really fun to listen to and uh and and like things of this ilk are very much things that i should be aware of and usually it takes a boyfriend of mine <laughs> to show it to me things like sia and lady gaga yeah. and yeah. you know these kind of things that i i just don't listen to on my own but once i become exposed to them uh, i love them so yeah. uh, i think this is going to be great so Awesome. Uh, thank you for exposing me to this. And also, Matt, thank you for exposing yourself to me. Ah, oh, well, thank you for exposing yourself to me, Travis. It's been a pleasure, as always. Yeah, so good. So good. All right. Uh, we will see you next week. Don't forget to reach out to us on Facebook and the emails. And we'll talk to you in seven days. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.